So today I'm talking about my topic is simple. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Can you put that in the comments? Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but can I ask you a question? Have you ever met a Christian that you thought was doing a horrible job of representing Jesus? Maybe you've been that Christian, but right now I want to talk about how have you ever met a Christian that when you looked at their life, you could not see any evidence that they had met Jesus? Have you ever heard anybody say, the reason I don't go to church is because of those Christians? Have you ever heard anybody say, I, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't fool with church people. Can I submit to you that maybe the reason that that messaging is so prevalent is that we have a lot of people who have done Romans 10 and accepted Jesus and confessed Jesus, but they haven't taken up their cross to follow him. And so we have a bunch of people. How many of you know that in, in society, there is a very popular thing to call your kid your mini-me? I just want to know, have y'all ever seen anybody calling their kid their mini-me and you like, they don't look nothing like they... They don't look nothing like their parent. But have you ever seen a kid that doesn't look anything like their parent, but they act like their parent? Have you ever seen a situation where maybe a kid wasn't raised around a parent or a side of the family, but they have mannerisms like them? Because the reality of it is, is that your DNA should have some impact in how you show up. So as a born again believer, it is not enough for me to accept Jesus. I should actually look like Jesus. Jesus. That's why he said, I want you to lay hands on the sick. That's what you saw me do. I want you to cast out devils. That's what you saw me do. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to raise the dead. I want you to do those things because that's what I did. I also want you to walk in love. I also want you to walk in righteousness. I also want you to do what you saw me do. In 1 John, there's a scripture that says, as Jesus is in the world, so are we. And so this scripture, this lesson today is really about challenging us. Have we taken the full benefit of salvation? Are we just trying to get to heaven and get a bunch of stuff? I don't know, but what, if you were here last week, do you guys remember when Pastor Elwin said, he said that the truth of it is, is that mo a lot of people don't want Jesus. They just want his stuff. Today, I am ministering to the people that want Jesus. Where are the people that want Jesus? Where are the people that you're like, I'm thankful for the promotion. I'm thankful for the house. I'm thankful for ease. I'm thankful for favor. I'm thankful for how you keep me. But at the end of the day, you are the prize for me. I need the people who like, no, Jesus is the prize for me. Jesus is absolutely the prize for me. I need the people who are like, I am so incredibly thankful to be saved. I am so incredibly thankful for God and his patience with me. I am so thankful that he has been mindful of me, that he would not allow me to be on my way to hell, that he was able, willing to give me a divine intervention. I want Jesus. Okay. So I want to start with a few questions of self-reflection. And that's why I told you you're going to need your notebook or you're going to need to pull up a Google Doc because I think that this is one of those messages that we really, really need to work through and we need to dig deep. And I want you to lay your hand on your heart and I want you to say, Holy Spirit, I'm open. Holy Spirit, I am open. Right. So I want to ask you these questions. Who or what has your heart? Who or what has your heart? Who or what has your heart? And then I want you to ask self-reflection, are you carrying your cross? Now, some of you may be thinking, I don't even know what that means. Don't worry about it. We're going to get to it. Are you carrying your, your cross? And then the third qu qu question is, does your life 
reflect your devotion to Jesus? Does your life reflect your devotion to Jesus? Now, I'm telling you, this is going to be a good teaching. It's really going to be much more like a Bible study. And I'm going to tell you, you ought to be sharing this. I don't know where your people are, your cousins, them this morning. But you need to be like, listen, I want you to come here because I think the truth of it is, is that this is an opportunity for all of us to grow and become. We're going to start by looking at Matthew, the 16th chapter, the 24th through the 26th verse, right? Verse 24, it says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself, disregard, lose sight of, and forget himself in his own interest and take up his cross and follow me. No, I just want you to say law to that before we get to the last part of it. Let's go back to the first part of it. Then Jesus said, to his disciples, if anyone desires to be my disciple. Now, I just saw several people say, I want Jesus. That means you desire to be his disciple. Jesus is saying, Jesus, and if you read in your paper Bible, you know it's Jesus. Why? Because it's in the red, right? Jesus is saying, if you desire my, if you desire to be my disciple, did I need you to deny yourself? to disregard yourself, to lose sight of, and to forget yourself and your own interests and take up your cross and follow me. Follow who? Jesus. And do what? Cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living. I want you to put that in the comments. Conform wholly to my example in living. And if need be in dying also. Now that's verse 24. He says, I want you to conform wholly to my example in living. So let's establish this. When Jesus asked us to follow him, he is not asking him us to follow him and do our own thing. Would you agree with that? Yes or yes. In fact, he says, you're going to have to disregard, lose sight of, forget yourself and your own interest. Now, if you think about it, while I'm, I'm not in the series, does this not go back to decide and, decide and desire? That Jesus is telling us what he wants from us. He's saying, if you're my disciple, this is what I want from you. Now, I want to give you, before we go to verse 25 and 26, let's look at what the word deny means. The Greek verb translated here to deny. It is a word called, that I'm going to mess up, called a paranome. And it means to simply, it can simply mean to deny the truth of a statement. It almost always has overtones of association or connection to a person. Denial in the New Testament is the intentional disassociation from a relationship with a particular person. Let me say that again. It is an intentional disassociation from a relationship with a particular person. Here is my next question for reflection. Ralph, you don't have this one. Have you intentionally disassociated from your old self? I know you used to cuss people out. I know you used to hold grudges. I know you used to walk in unforgiveness. I know you used to have sexual sin. I know you used to get drunk. I know you used to turn up and get high. Have you intentionally, have you intentionally disassociated from the relationship with the you you were before you knew Jesus. Can y'all talk to me out here today? Are, are you, have you intentionally, and I love Krista saying, I'm still working on myself. No, I'm not asking if you're perfect. I am asking, have you made a decision to intentionally disassociate? Because the reality of it is, is that sometimes we don't get freedom because we have not intentionally disassociated with what God is not pleased with. We have not intentionally disassociated with. What we have said is, 
Jesus loves me. I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. And Chris, Pastor Chris, God know my heart. He know my heart. And so if I still cuss people out every once in a while, it's fine because he know my heart. And, 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 and if I don't tithe like the Bible tells me to, it's cool because he know my heart. I'm asking you, have you, after accepting Jesus, have you intentionally disassociated from the relationship with your old man? And I believe that because this is not taught, we have so many believers who are a poor representation of the kingdom. And as Hebrews said, instead of growing on to be able to eat meat, you are continually having to drink milk because you have never made the decision. Yes, you made the decision to accept Jesus not to go to hell, but you didn't make the decision to follow him. Tell your neighbor, there is a difference. There is a big difference between saying, I accept Jesus and I don't want to go to hell and saying, I accept Jesus and I choose to follow him. So as the simple song says, have you decided to follow Jesus? Have you decided to follow Jesus, right? Another translation is to disown or to renounce. You see people renounce things all the time. Have you renounced your old self? Now, listen, as the old preachers would say, I'm preaching better than you saying amen. Have you renounced your old self? I know your old self was a grudge holder. I know your old self walked in office all the time. I want to know, have you renounced your old self? Have you said, listen, if God is not pleased with this, it is not acceptable for me to do it. If God is not pleased with it, I am not comfortable doing it. And even if I'm making a mistake and struggling and still doing it, I'm acknowledging it ain't okay for me to do this. I'm not looking for permission to do what God has told me not to do. I'm not looking for permission. I need some people that you're not looking for permission to find a way to find a grace loophole to do what God told you not to do. I have decided to follow Jesus, which means that I have entered into self-denial. What is self-denial? It is the intentional disowning of the self. It is stepping away from the relationship of the self as primary. So what it means is I don't decide the course he does. I don't decide what's appropriate he does. I don't decide what it's, where it's okay for me to go, what it's okay for me to do, who I don't decide. He does. Now, here's the thing. If you're feeling some kind of way in your chest, I want you to know this. That's your flesh. That's your flesh. Your flesh, if you're hearing something that says it don't take all of what Pastor Sean is saying, that's your flesh. And we're going to keep going and you're going to get to see why your flesh wants you to stay in a state of constantly fighting and rebelling against the Lord. Is this helping y'all? Have you disowned yourself to follow Jesus? Let me hear from you in the comments. Have you disowned yourself to follow Jesus? No, I make a practice of it. It's not that it, it's not that I don't really want to get you told, Pastor Ralph. It's that I just love Jesus so much that I got to manage how I talk to you because I love Jesus. It's not even because I'm trying to save my own reputation. It's because I care so much about his reputation. So even when there may be things that may be lawful, but they're not expedient, I'm going to do what's not, I'm not going to do what's not expedient because I've disowned myself. I'm practicing day by day, disowning myself to follow Jesus. Now let's go to verse 25. It says, for whoever is bent on saving his temporal life, his comfort and his security here. Oh my God, how many times over the last couple of weeks have Pastor Ralph or Pastor Elwin talked to us about the danger of the comfort zone? Now, verse 25 tells us, whoever is bent on saving his temporal life, his comfort and his security here shall lose eternal life. Listen, tell your neighbor, say Sean Strickland didn't say it. 
Because I think a lot of times people aren't reading the scripture. And people are creating a false gospel to feel good. Who said this? Jesus is in the red. He says, if you are bent on saving your own life, what does it mean to save, save your own life? I am committed to getting people told when I don't like what they say. I am committing to have sex whoever, with whoever I want to, even though I am not married. I am committed to stealing money and not showing up with integrity in life. I am committed to offense. I am committed to those things. Why? Because that's what my flesh wants to do. I am committed to routinely laying down my religion. I do what I want to do, when I want to do, how I want to do it, because that gummit, I'm grown. I'm grown. Don't nobody tell me what to do. Pastor Edwin don't tell me what to do. Pastor Ralph don't tell me what to do. Minister Chandra don't tell me what to do. Pastor Chris don't tell me what to do. Pastor Sean don't tell me what to do. And the Holy Ghost don't tell me what to do. Because you know what? I am grown. I do what I want to do. I want you to hear that if you have any of that happening in your heart, it is rebellion and it is proof that your flesh is running your life, not the Holy Spirit. Amen. It says, for whoever has been on saving his temporal life, his comfort and security here shall lose it, eternal life. And whoever loses his life, his comfort, his security here for my sake shall find it. You want to find your life? Follow Jesus. Can y'all put that in the comments? If you want to find your life, follow Jesus. So many people are searching. So many people are trying to find somebody that can make them happy. Find somebody that can give them peace. Find some kind of job that's going to make them feel better about themselves. Find something that's going to make them not have low self-esteem, not make them hate themselves. If you want to find your life, find Jesus. Your life is in Jesus. Verse 26, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life, his blessed life in the kingdom of God? Or what would a man give in exchange for his blessed life in the kingdom of God? In the King James, it says, what would a man, what would it profit you? What would it profit you to be the most famous person, the richest person, the most beautiful person, to have the most Facebook followers, to be the biggest TikTok influencer, to be the person looked up to the most at your job and in your community, to be a community leader and to lose your soul? What would it profit you to do that? And that's why Matthew 6 and 33 tells us to do what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not just the kingdom of God, but how God does things. And then the things will be added. And what happens is, is that because a principle is a principle is a principle. You can use principles in order to get all of the trappings of the world and still lose your soul. Guys, every day we hear about celebrities, we hear about politicians, we hear about people who seem to have everything external, but they're committing suicide, they're addicted to drugs, their relationships are falling apart. That is not what God wants for us. But in order for us to have what God wants, we must disown ourselves. Disowning ourselves is how we pick up the cross and how we walk in the spirit. Are y'all getting something from this? Now let's go to Romans, 12, Romans 8 because I told you we was going to do a lot of scripture walking and working today. Come on, can we get some hearts? Can we get some fire? If you're being challenged, if you're like, man, listen, I really need to level up my walk. I'm, I'm telling you, I was talking to some friends this weekend and I'm telling you, I think we're doing, we're doing believers, especially new believers, a grave disservice to suggest to them either in our lifestyle or to explicitly tell them that they can live how they want to live. No one is going to get the best that God has living the way that they want to live. Think about this. The Bible says that Jesus so wrestled with going to the cross that he sweat blood. Can I ask y'all a question? If Jesus had to give up his desire to live, if Jesus had to surrender to the father, why do you think you don't have to? 
have we created a message in the gospel that says Jesus, who was perfect, took our sin, didn't defend himself, took the sin of the world, got beat up, got spit on, they sold his clothes, they crucified him, they pierced him in his side. And so if Jesus had to do that so I could get a new life, why would I think that in my new life, I was still, it was still cool with God for me to live my old way? Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? Do you understand the deception in that? That Jesus had to give up everything for me to be free from sin. And I think that Jesus giving up everything for me to be free from sin frees me to sin. Make it make sense. You can't because it doesn't make sense. Now, let's look at Romans 8. Let's just start with verse 1. We're going to walk through several verses. I'm going to ask you a question after each one. Verse 1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation, no judging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the spirit. Now, I believe one of the biggest challenges for people is that they confuse condemnation with conviction. Condemnation says you suck. Conviction says you're better than this. Come out of that. Now, the truth of it is both of them can feel pretty crappy. How many of you have ever had somebody to tell you that you're better than this? How many of you have ever had somebody tell you your response was wrong? You're living in sin. It don't feel good. Even if you really love Jesus, who wants to hear that they missed the mark? So condemnation says you suck. Condemnation, a, a message of condemnation says, Sean Strickland, you are so horrible. You could never live like Jesus. I don't even know why you try. Here you go again, fornicating again. But conviction says, Sean Strickland, you have been made new and you are better than the life that you are living. Guys, can we get back to saying to people, you are better than the life you are living? Can we get back to saying to people that Jesus did not die for you to live shacked up, that Jesus did not die for you to still be cussing out people every day, that Jesus did not die for you to continue in sin? So it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation, no judging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but the dictates of the spirit. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now. Do I live my life by the Holy Spirit or my own desires? I just want you to ask him right now. The Holy Spirit, because, you know, sometimes we think that we really doing something and the Lord be like, that ain't really it, boo. No, but I, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about do you come to church. I'm not talking about do you come to Champion Circle. I'm not talking about do you join Pastor Ralph. I'm asking you to ask the Holy Spirit on a day-to-day -day basis, on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. When I'm at my job and somebody get on my nerves, when my kids done got on my nerves, when my husband done got on my nerves, when boo is sexting me, when I have a desire that doesn't line up with scripture, do I live my life by the Holy Spirit or by my own desires? Now, verse two, it says, for the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being. Tell your neighbor, say, we got a new being. We have a new being. I'm a new being. But how many you know that just because I'm a new being, it doesn't mean that I know how to live new yet. So we've been made new, and then the process of discipleship is learning how to live new. If any man be in Christ, he is new. Now I gotta learn what it's like to live new. If we all move to a new country today, how many of you know that we would have to learn how to live new? 
When we accepted Jesus, we came into a new country, the kingdom of God. We have to learn what is acceptable in that kingdom. How many of you know that the way we drive on the road in the United States is not the way that they drive on the road in the Bahamas? How many of you know that if we go down there and try to drive like we drive here, we're going to create chaos? How many of you can stop and understand that some of the chaos in your life is that you are in the new country driving on the wrong side of the road? I'm in the new country. I'm a born again believer. I've accepted Jesus. I pray in tongues, but I'm living on the wrong side of the road. What's the wrong side of the road? Living according to my flesh. I don't read my Bible because I don't feel like it. I know Pastor Nim said pray in the spirit an hour a day. I don't feel like it. I know they said don't miss a teaching. I don't feel like it. I know the Holy Spirit told me to quit drinking milk. I don't feel like it. I know the Lord told me to cut off that person because they're not a part of my destiny. I don't feel like it. I don't want to be by myself. Get on the right side of the road. It says, for the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being has freed me from the law of sin and of death. Hear what I'm saying. This means I am free to choose. Before when I was in sin, I wasn't free to choose. This freedom is a freedom to choose. I can choose to forgive you. I can choose not to cuss you out. It can be three o'clock in the morning and I'm burning with lust. I can choose not to get up out my bed and go over to your house because you are not my husband. Because I think that people think that because I accept Jesus, I am not going to have any more desires that don't agree with Jesus. I think that people think, I think the great deception for a lot of people is that they think they have not been delivered because they still have the desire. No, the deliverance is that I can subdue the desire. It means that a married man can see a woman that he thinks is attractive and he can say, I love God and my wife enough not to engage with this woman. Is this helping y'all today? Do you walk in the realization that being born again has freed you from the obligation to walk according to your flesh? See, I ain't saying you ain't going to never desire Joe no more. I'm saying the Holy Ghost has freed you from having to give in to the desire for Joe. I'm not telling you you ain't going to never want to click on nobody no more. I'm telling you that the Holy Ghost has freed you from the desire, from the, from the compulsion to cuss people out. I am telling you that by the power of the Holy Ghost, you can keep your mouth closed. I am telling you that by the power of the Holy Ghost, you can come off marijuana. I am telling you that by the power of the Holy Ghost, you can come off prescription drugs. I am telling you that by the power of the Holy Ghost, you can quit walking in office. I am not telling you that you will not be attempted to be offended. I am telling you that this Holy Ghost that we have received will give you the power to walk in freedom, but you got to follow God. Man, y'all give God some praise for that. I'm not telling you that when you love Jesus, that every single day you ain't gonna want to do nothing but sing songs for Jesus and read your Bible. But I am telling you that by the Holy Ghost, you can discipline yourself to read your Bible. I am not telling you that every single day of your life, you're going to walk in love and exercise patience and be long suffering and not keep track of the record of right and wrong. But I am telling you that in the Holy Ghost, you have the ability to do it and you can get more and more proficient at it. Is this teaching helping y'all? So it's not enough for me to say I'm free. I got to do the stuff that will support freedom. What supports freedom? Obedience. The only way to walk in the spirit is to obey God. 
That's why the Bible says you got to crucify your flesh daily. Just because I have a desire. Can y'all put this in the comments? Just because I have a desire does not mean I have to act. Let's help the champions grow up. Just because I have a desire doesn't mean I have to act. I may want Joe, but God said no. So I cut off Joe's ability to access my life. I may want to have a glass of wine every night before I go to bed, but God said no. So I get the wine out of my house. Just because I have a desire doesn't mean I have to act. It is my responsibility as a believer that once I know something doesn't please God to stop. Everybody put in all capital letters, stop. It is my responsibility. And can I tell y'all something that I know we can do this? That I know we can do this. How many of you are in a relationship with somebody, not just a romantic relationship, any kind of relationship, and you have stopped doing something because they don't like it? Have you ever stopped doing something because somebody you love don't like it? Have you ever stopped saying stuff a certain way? Are y'all understand what I'm saying? It's not that we can't do it. I remember one time years ago when Chris lived with me, Chris said to me, because I used to be a big yeller. And Chris said to me, mom, it's not nice to yell at people when they aren't yelling at you. Do you know how many people I have not yelled at because Chris said that to me? Do you know how many times I have absolutely wanted to scream at people and I can hear Chris say to me, mom, it's not nice to yell at people, especially when they're not yelling at you. So you think I'm over here exercising, you know, passion is just such a loving person. No, I want to scream at you. I want to say to you, stop being stupid. But I heard Chris say, it's not nice to do that. So if I can do it for Chris, I know I can do it for the Lord because I love Chris and Chris will do anything for me. But Chris ain't go to the cross for me. So how is it that we can make all of these modifications for people, all of these modifications for companies, all of these modifications for material things, but we are offended when we are asked to modify for Jesus? Is there anybody out there hearing me today? Is there anybody out there talk, listen to me today that's hearing what I'm saying? You can modify for me. You can modify for your job. You don't want to go to work at eight o'clock in the morning, but you be up in there. You don't want to turn that camera on on that Zoom, but that camera be on. You don't want to do that report, but you do it. How can you do that for the world and temporal things, but you're offended that someone asked you to do it for God? Let me keep going. For God has done what the law could not do. Its power being weakened by the flesh, the entire nature of man without the Holy Spirit, sending his own son in the guise of sinful flesh. And as an offering from sin, God condemned flesh in the sin in the flesh, subdued, overcame, deprived it of its power over all that accept the sacrifice. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We spend a lot of time talking about how if you accept Jesus, you go to heaven. But what I read here tells me something different. It tells me that whoever accepts the sacrifice of Jesus, that what you get is power over sin. Why? Because what Jesus did is that he subdued sin, he overcame sin, and everybody who receives his sacrifice can also subdue sin and overcome sin. Tell your neighbor, say, you can't stop sinning. Here's the question for that. How consistently, how are you consistently practicing your power over sin? 
How are you consistently practicing your power over sin? See, understand this. I teach that if you want to hear God about the big things, you need to listen about the little things. So I teach people when people are saying to me, hey, Pastor, I want to hear from God. I say, start asking God about little things that don't seem to matter. What color shirt should you wear today? Which way should you drive the work? Uh, you, you ask him about the little things, the things that don't really seem to matter so you can hear about the big things. But how many of you know that if you practice sinning over the little things, it's going to be hard to stop in the big things? See, if I say every, the Bible tells me to study to be quiet. But if I say everything I think in every situation when I really need to study to be quiet, I haven't developed the self-control to do it. If I give in every single time I want my flesh want a cookie, I'm going to struggle to fast. But it says that I, Jesus has given me the power because he overcame sin. I can overcome sin. Now, can I say this? That this means I have to change this mindset because a lot of you still say so-and-so made me mad. And because you think so-and-so made you mad, you think you no longer have to subdue to the Holy Spirit. But what if you reframed it and said, they did what they did, but I chose to get mad. And even in being mad, I can choose to honor God. Is this helping y'all? Let's go. Verse four, so that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fully met in us who live and move not in the ways of the flesh, but in the ways of the spirit. Our lives govern not by the standards and not by the standards and according to the dictates of the flesh, but controlled by the Holy Spirit. So it says for a born again believer, my life should not be governed by the standards and according to the dictates of the flesh. Let me tell you what this means in layman terms. If everybody is doing it and God has said it's wrong, my job is to obey God. If everybody cheating on their spouse, my job is to be faithful. If everybody is cussing people out, if everybody is watching porn, if everybody is smoking dope, as the old people say, my job is to obey God. My job is to obey God. What is, here's the question, what is your responsibility in living a spirit-led life? And it's one of the reasons I hope y'all see that many times people will be like, Lord, help me live better. But what you really mean is, Lord, do it for me. What you really mean is, Lord, open my mouth and make me pray. Close my mouth. Don't let me cuss them out. Take my hands and make me read the Bible. Tie me down when I want to fornicate. No, I have a responsibility in living a spirit-led life. It is my surrender. I must surrender. I must deny myself. All right, verse five. For those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires, set their minds. Underline that. Those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires, set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. You know that you're walking in the flesh because it tells you, we can tell that you walk by the flesh by what you set your mind on. Let me give you two examples. Your coworker did something to you. They took credit for some project that you did in a meeting with your boss. They took credit and they threw some shade and acted like you didn't do your work. Honey, you not saying when you go to this meeting on Thursday, you go cuss them out. You have set your mind that you go cuss them out. 
Your husband say to you, babe, I don't think that's a good idea. No, no, I done set my mind, babe. I'm going to tell them because what you don't do is play with me like that. And I'm tired of her playing that same. You have set your mind to gratify the flesh. If you set your mind to gratify the flesh, what else you going to do but gratify the flesh? Ooh, want to go a little deeper? I'm a single woman who has decided to live celibate until I get married. But I see a fine man and I say to my friend, Chris, he can get it. I done set my mind. Girl, if you thought he was fine, you should have said, I don't care how fine he is. I am not violating the will of God for my life. But you know, girl, he can get it. You done took a picture of me and sent it to somebody else. Chris, girl, he can get it. Nietzsche, girl, he can get it. Girl, Etoy, he can get it. Pastor Sean, I don't know how I ended up sleeping with him. Yes, you do. You set your mind to gratify your flesh. And then, and then y'all say stupid stuff like this. The heart won't what the heart won't. So what? A baby want to touch a hot stove. Do you let your baby touch a hot stove because they want to touch a hot stove? You know, the heart won't what the heart won't. The body won't what the body won't. And the Holy Ghost won't what the Holy Ghost won't, which is for you to live righteous. Girl, Pastor, you just don't understand. The heart loves who the heart loves. Listen, let me tell you something. You can love somebody and not be with them. You can love somebody and block them. You can love somebody and move them out your bed because they've been with you seven years and still ain't married you. Hmm. Y'all don't want to talk about that, do you? Y'all want to send the message talking about, can we pray that John marry you? Girl, you've been living with John for 12 years. John ain't thinking about marrying you and he don't have no interest in it. And you have shown that you love John more than you love Jesus. I know you saints ain't gonna like this today, but you do. You love John more than you love Jesus. You love your kids more than you love Jesus. That's why you steal the tithe to do stuff for them. You love this stuff more than you love Jesus. You have set your mind on gratifying your flesh. What, is, what do you want God to do? Come throw you down in the floor and tie you up until you decide to live right? Then you would say he's a hard taskmaster. You already offended that he asked you to live right. I mean, how dare the God of this universe ask you to live right? I mean, your boss can ask you for a report, but how dare the Lord ask you to stop cussing out people? Who do the Lord think he is? Who is Jesus, Chris? How dare Jesus tell me that because I have a desire, I should not fornicate? How dare Jesus tell me I need to quit smoking weed? How dare Jesus? How, how, who is Jesus? Girl, who is Jesus to be out here trying to tell me this stuff? Does anybody else see how crazy and fleshy that sounds? I can't believe God asking me to do something else I don't want to do. What, the what? Who else was supposed to tell you what to do? You? Okay, girl, let me keep going. All right. What role does your thinking play in whether you walk by the spirit or in the flesh? Do you realize that you will never be able to think on carnal things and do what gratifies Holy Spirit? Like, do you realize it? I love Darius. He said the Lord will never tell you to do any of that wrongdoing. But the truth of it is, is that when we don't want to hear the Lord, we go find friends that'll co-sign it. Well, you know, girl, you've been single a long time. I can understand why you would do a little Netflix and chill. Girl, you done took that mess off her a long time. I can understand why you would cuss your mother law out. Girl, go ahead. I cuss out too. But do you realize that as long as you set your intention on gratifying the flesh, all you can do is gratify the flesh. Understand this. I can pray in the spirit for an hour every day. No, no, no. I can pray in the spirit for 23 hours every single day in my prayer closet. But if I don't make a decision to gratify the Holy Spirit when I come out, 
I will come out of the closet and cuss the family out because didn't nobody cook for me when I was in the prayer closet. I cannot think carnally and expect that I'm going to glorify the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to glorify Jesus. And a WWJD t-shirt or, you know, a I love Jesus t-shirt don't mean nothing when I'm out here acting a fool. And the truth of it is, let me tell you something. Some of your family, they're never going to come to Jesus until they see some consistency in you. Because you blessed and highly favored on the broadcast, but you is a beast and mean as heck when you at home. Your life doesn't match your confession. The Bible says, let your light so shine so men will see you and glorify the Father. Every one of us should walk every day thinking, will this glorify the Father? If somebody saw me in this moment, would this turn them to the Lord or away from the Lord? Oh, let's keep going. Verse six. Now the mind of the flesh. Y'all need to get this definition. This is going to explain so much to y'all about life. Now the mind of the flesh which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit is death. Can I just stop right there? Oh my God. Baby, I was reading this scripture and I just went, I had never seen it this way before. Now the mind of the flesh, what is the mind of the flesh? It is sense and reason without the Holy Ghost. So when you look and say, how could somebody come up with that? They use sense and reason without the Holy Ghost. How could I feel justified in doing what God told me not to do? I use sense and reason without the Holy Ghost. We all been guilty of it. In the natural, it makes sense. In the natural, it had good reasoning. The problem is it was without the Holy Ghost. The way that I got to this place is that I looked at the natural. I looked at what I felt and I took the Holy Ghost out of the equation. How many of you have ever can just admit, Lord, I repent. I have taken the Holy Spirit out of the equation. I already decided how I was going to spend about the money. I already decided that I was going to click on them. I already decided I was going to cut them off. I already decided. I is sense and reason without the Holy Ghost. Look, let me give you a good example. The Lord says to you, I keep using Pastor Chris this morning because I can see you in the studio. The Lord says to you, Pastor Chris. I know you're super close with so-and-so, but I need you to create some distance. That's my best friend since the eighth grade. I know the Lord ain't telling me to spend less time with them. You know what? Here we go. This is what I'm going to do. I'm a witness to them. I ain't going to spend less time with them. What I'm going to do is I'm going to spend, I'm a witness to them. Because wait a minute, because hold on, because I know the Lord wants them saved. And I know the Lord don't want me to go off and be away from them. And I'm out here saved and they on their way to hell. All of that sound good. Except the Holy Ghost already gave an instruction. How many of you got some things that right now you need to fix because the Holy Ghost already gave an instruction? No, no. But let's take it on the converse. Chris want to break up with this friend because they done got on her last nerve. And the Lord says, Chris. Listen, I need you to stay in there because you're the light for them. I only go where I'm where I'm celebrated, baby. I don't be in no spaces where I'm tolerated, honey. She just tolerated me. Okay, friend. It's sense and reason without the Holy Ghost. So it makes sense as long as I ain't listening to the Holy Ghost. And you know who else it makes sense to? Other carnal people. You know who it don't make sense to? Other people who listen to the Holy Spirit. I'll give you a perfect example. Carnal Christians do not understand forgiveness. Spirit-led Christians, we may not like forgiveness, but we understand. Carnal Christians say, I'm not going to forgive them after all they did and then turn around and ask the Lord to forgive you. Spirit-led Christians say, listen, 
God, I do not like what they did to me. I, I am hurt by what they did to me, but I choose to forgive them because ain't no way I can keep asking you to forgive me and I'm going to hold a grudge against them. Just something as simple as that. Couldn't be me. You can always tell when carnality started talking. Well, the Lord told me to forget. Couldn't be me, honey. The Lord told the Lord told me to let her borrow the money. Girl, couldn't be me. You know, the Lord told me to drive an hour to church. The Lord told me to drive to the huddle once a month, honey. Couldn't be me because you can go to church anywhere except the Holy Ghost told you to go to Fellowship Champions. Couldn't be me. And then what does it tell us? The person who lives that way, the mind of the flesh is death. And that death comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and peace, both now and forever. Let me tell you something. Number six is the reason that years ago, Chris and I said, we don't hang with people who ain't serious about walking with the Lord. See, because when you hang with people who are not serious about walking with the Lord, Nietzsche over here trying to walk with the Lord. When she, if she got friends that don't walk with the Lord, when she dating Kev and they like, girl, ain't no way I would be over here with Kev and he'd be that fine and I don't get to see him but once a month, girl, you better get that man song. Oh, okay. Couldn't be me. I couldn't be with no man like that. And mm-hmm. That's why you ain't. So what does it mean to walk by the flesh? What does it mean? You look at the scripture. What does it mean to walk by the flesh? And then what does it mean to walk by the spirit? What does that scripture tell you that it means to walk by the flesh? How can you recognize when you're walking by the flesh? How can we recognize when we walk by the flesh? Y'all, come on, talk to me. We only got one more scripture and then we done. How can, how can I recognize when I'm walking by the flesh? How can I recognize when I'm walking by the spirit? And can I tell you this? Some of you are so mentally tormented because you're doing what you want to do and you are experiencing what the scripture says in verse six, where you're doing all the things that should be making you happy, but you still not happy because this death of walking by the flesh comprises all the miseries of sin, both here and hereafter. So you grown enough to do what you want to do. But you still need a drink to get up in the morning. And you still need a drink to go to bed at night. And even after you spend the money, you still empty on the inside. And even after you lay with boo, you feel some kind of way. You feel empty. Why? Because this life, it produces death. It do, Listen, it don't mean you don't look good to other people. It means your experience. Let me ask y'all something. I just need some honest people and we almost done. Have you ever been in a situation where to the outside, it looks good? but you are tormented inside because you know you're not doing what God told you to do? Have you ever been at a job that look amazing, but you tormented on the inside? Have you ever been in a relationship that looked perfect, but you tormented on the inside? Have you ever been living in a house, driving a car, walking in a life? Tell your neighbor, it ain't worth it. That's why the scripture told us in Matthew what does it profit the world, profit you to gain the world and lose your soul? Every time you disobey God, you are killing your soul. You want to know why so many people have anxiety and so many people struggle with self-worth and self-hatred? Because literally you are living out of alignment with what God said. And I let me tell you something, baby, I don't care how many people co-sign your sin. Sin will eat you up from the inside out. It will eat you up from the inside out. And God says, I don't want that for you. I know it seems difficult to obey me, but if you obey me, you go have peace. 
You don't have, please hear me. You will never have peace with God walking in rebellion. You will never, can't nobody lay hands on you. Can't nobody put no oil on you. Can't nobody intercede for you. You can never have peace walking in rebellion. And many of you, I feel this by the Holy Ghost. You have been counseled by people. You have been to therapists. You have taken medication, but you are still tormented and you are still tormented because you are walking in rebellion. You are knowingly doing what God told you not to do. And the truth of it is that many of you do it because you are gratified by your flesh and you like the applause of people as they co-sign your sin. But the only people who co-sign sin is sinners. Let's go this last verse. I want to read 6 and 7 to get to again so we get full of context. Now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death. Death that comprises all the miseries arising from sin both here and hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and soul peace, both now and forever. That is because the mind of the flesh with its carnal thoughts and purposes is hostile to God. For it does not submit itself to God's law. It Indeed, it cannot. So how does God see the flesh? He sees us as hostile. I looked up the word hostile. Do you know the two definitions for hostile? One of them is antagonistic. Your flesh is antagonistic to God. Your flesh is disrespectful, it's dishonorable, and it's rebellious. But the other definition that tripped me out is that your flesh is a military enemy against the purpose of God. So you've accepted Jesus and you want to live this John 10 and 10 life, but your flesh is a military enemy against the John 10 and 10 life. Your flesh is intentionally working to get you to war with God. My God today. Your flesh, that's right. Your flesh is in constant war to God. You being horny ain't no excuse to have sex if you ain't married. So what you horny? That horniness is a military strike against God. You cussing people out when the Lord told you to be quiet and he go always tell you be quiet. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a living witness. I know the Lord ain't gonna never let you cuss somebody out. If the Lord will let you cuss somebody out, he gonna let me cuss some people out because I got some justified reasons for cussing some people out. I'm gonna just tell you. But he ain't never tell me. Every time I present my case to the Lord and I say, God, just let me cuss him out. God, just, God, just let me say, just let me say, I ain't got to say the big words, God. Just let me say a couple of the words just so I can really get my point across. Now, one time in my life has the Holy Spirit ever said to me, yeah, Sean, you know they did enough. Go ahead and cuss them out. He has always said, represent me well. Your flesh is intentionally worn with God. And this is why some of you are so offended by teaching ministries. You want church that tells you Jesus loves you no matter what. And he does but he still expects you to change. How does he expect you to change? He's given you his spirit and made it possible. He doesn't ask you to change out of your free will. He asks you to change because he has made it possible. And when I accept Jesus as my personal savior, but I live any kind of way I want to, I am waging war on the kingdom of God. Now I'm supposed to be waging war on the kingdom of darkness but i'm living my how many of you see because i feel like we're gonna have some repentance up in here how many of you if you're honest you are living your life in war against the lord you're worrying about your money you're worrying about your body you're worrying about your mindset you're worrying about where you work you're worrying about where you live you are literally you're like jesus i love you but i'm gonna fight you every day so what you're doing is you're living in a domestic violence relationship with the lord God, I love you, but let me slap you with some more disobedience. Lord, I love you, but let me kick you with some more rebellion. 
Lord, I love you, but let me cuss you out some more and disrespect you and dishonor you. And then you know what? Now that I feel better, now that I feel better and I got that stuff, look, you know, now that I feel better, then come here, Lord, let me worship you. Let me hug on you. And Lord, could you go ahead and get me that new job? Lord, could you go ahead and favor me? We got two more scriptures. Verse eight. So then those who are living the life of the flesh catering to the appetites and impulses of their carnal nature, cannot please God, satisfy God, or be acceptable to him. So then those who are living the life of the flesh, catering to the appetites and impulses of their carnal nature, cannot please God, or satisfy God, or be acceptable to him. What is the cost of you living by your flesh? What is living by your flesh costing you? We got one more scripture, one more question. What is it? What does it cost you to live by your flesh? Think of an area where you have lived by your flesh and look at what it's cost you. Verse nine, here's the good news. But you are not living the life of the flesh. But you are not living the life of the flesh. You are living the life of the spirit. If the Holy Spirit of God really dwells within you and directs and controls you, but if anyone does not possess the Holy Spirit of Christ, he is none of his and he does not belong to Christ and is not truly a child of God. But I love what he said here. He is reminding you, no matter what you may have seen about yourself in this past 90, 75 minutes of teaching, I came to remind you, if you are a born again believer, where are my born again believers? Let me see your hands. Let me see your heart. Let me see your fire. You are not living the life of the flesh. You are living the life of the spirit. And I am inviting you on this Palm Sunday to come out of fleshly living. I am inviting you to come out of sense and reason without the Holy Ghost. I am inviting you to take your true place as a son and daughter of the Most High God. I am inviting you to take authority over your flesh and to say, I don't care how bad it hurts me. I'm going to live in peace by honoring God. And if you're taking that today, I need to see it in the comments. Pastor Sean, this message is for me. Pastor Sean, I'm aligning to this right here. Pastor Sean, right now today, I'm making a new decision. I, I love it. Becky said, I accept your invitation. Now, Becky, I got to be honest with you and everybody else. Guys, if you're going to accept the invitation, you got to have some new boundaries in your life. Who are the people you can't have relationship with anymore? What are the things you can't do? What are the things you can't medicate on? But who can you hang with? Who can you align with? Who can take you to the next level? Because you are not supposed to walk by your flesh. It's a false identity. It is not who you really are. So I am speaking to every born again believer. And I am saying, come out of your old life. You are a born again Save, sanctified, Holy Ghost feel, son or daughter of the most high God. You have dominion over sin. You have dominion over your flesh. You don't have to give in anymore. You don't have to cave in anymore. And you don't have to feel a lick of guilt. You can let this message be conviction and come home. Come home. Now, we've seen some people today that says, I'm aligning in this message. Maybe you want to rededicate your life if you didn't already. Maybe you want to accept G. Some of you may have realized, man, Pastor Sean, from listening to this scripture, I've listened to this message. I never actually accepted Jesus. I came to church. I didn't come to Jesus. I came to church, but I didn't come to Jesus. I love it. Becky says, I'm coming home. And I just really want y'all to hear me. I want you to hear my heart. This may seem mean, 
It is very difficult to walk with God, hanging with people who don't walk with God. People keep saying that Jesus hung with sinners. It's not true. Sinners hung with Jesus and they changed. If you're a believer hanging with people and they're not getting better, you're getting worse. You're not being light. Their darkness is infiltrating you. So you got to get away from people who say it don't take all of that. And you got to get around people that say, my only desire is to honor God. My only desire is to do what pleases the Lord. And you may need you a good church and Fellowship of Champions is a good church. And some of you may have joined as partners, but you haven't really been a good partner. Meaning you haven't been repping the Lord real good when you out in these streets. But you making a change today. But maybe some of you need to be partners so you can put your with the link for partnership. We're making a decision to live a life that honors God. I want to remind you the only announcement I'm doing is what? We have partnership. We have the huddle next Sunday. It is Resurrection Sunday. And I want to challenge you to come. I want to challenge you to get there. And um, it's your opportunity to give. Were you blessed by this message? If you were blessed by this message, you know what I want you to do? I want you to find somebody that'll let you preach the high points to it. Because the best way to get a message in your heart is to preach it to somebody. you like, I ain't got nobody but my cat. Preach to your cat then. Get it in your heart. Hallelujah. So you give, give a five, push, pay, tithely, text to give or PayPal for our international partners. Listen, partners, when you come to Resurrection Service next week, try to invite somebody. Find somebody to come with you. Praise the Lord, Kristen. I'm so glad that the message was a blessing to you. But I want you to practice this week, everybody. Let's practice. We don't live by sense and reason without the Holy Ghost. We let the Holy Ghost lead God and direct us. And I pray that as you are letting the Holy Spirit direct you, that there's going to be some breakthrough in things you have struggled with for years, that you're going to see the grace of God come and break things off of your life. But you're going to see it as you go in obedience, as you go in obedience. And I decree and declare that over your life. I love you so much. I believe God for your life. I believe God for his will to be done in your life. Pastor Ellen and I love you. Pastor Ralph and April love you. The Valleys love you. Um, um, the Washingtons love you. Um, what is it now? The Williams. The Williams love you, man. We love you. We're praying for you. We're believing God for you. Come to service this week. Come to all of our services this week virtually. Come to, I love it. Hillary said, I'll be looking for you. Becky said, I'm coming. Hillary said, I will be looking for you. So we love you. We want you to have an amazing week. Represent the Lord God well. We bless you. We, we bless the Lord. We bless you. And we declare this is a good week as we lead into Resurrection Sunday. And we will see you at the activities and we will see you at the huddle. God bless you. We love you.